Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce myself. Some of you may know me, and some of you may not. My name is Howard Finkel. I'm also known as The Fink, and I am the premier ring announcer in the World Wrestling Federation. The greatest in-ring announcer in the history of professional wrestling, surpassing even the great Jimmy Lennon of Las Vegas. Dear to my heart, Finkelmania, Howard Finkel. Hey, Jesse. Hey. How you doing? Good, Hello, good. Ladies and gentlemen, the return bout between Morocco and Hulk Hogan will be for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship, and it will be held inside a steel cage. A hitman, Brett. announced some of the greats in this business as champions with a signature word. From San Martino, to Backlund, to Hogan, to Flair, to Bret Hart, to The Rock, to Austin, to Triple H, to The Undertaker, to Shawn Michaels, to John Cena, and many more, I wanted to make their ascension to the throne memorable and remembered by how I announced their win. Well, tonight, I'm going to steal a page from my playbook, if I may. Ladies and gentlemen, I, the Think, Howard Finkel, am a new inductee into WWE's Hall of Fame class of 2009. Thank you very much. What's up, everyone? Thank you all for tuning in to the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I am Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out at Two, and joining me is Kobe Nida, the architect of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We're bringing you a special bonus show this week as we're going to be giving you a week in review of the world of professional wrestling during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, we're going to be discussing the mass layoffs, furloughs, uh, releases, if you will, that took place this week from WWE. Over 40-some-odd uh, wrestlers, producers, and performers all let go of the, out of their contracts. We'll also be discussing the the news on the alteration of the Money in the Bank ladder match concept that's set to take place from WWE headquarters, as well as remembering the late, great Howard Finkel, who passed away earlier this week at the age of 69. Uh, so we're going to be talking about... Uh, you know some of the some of the bigger happenings that have taken place this week here uh, in the world of professional wrestling. So, uh, uh, Cope, what's 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 going on, man? What, what do you make of all this? Oh man, this has been an interesting week, Dave. Um, uh, uh, the pandemic has has definitely taken its toll on the sports entertainment realm. Um, we are still watching wrestling without an audience. We are uh, experiencing layoffs and furloughs for some of those wrestlers. Some sad, um, some that I could see that the writing was on the wall there for spring cleaning, anyhow. But uh, the loss of Howard Fink, and to, to think he's the guy who kind of uh, helped with 
come up with some names of concepts and then we have this money in the bank that's going to ultimately be uh, it's going to be something that we've never seen before in wrestling uh yeah. just like we've experienced a lot due to this pandemic so this is a uh, certainly if not taking a layer of clothing off of the sports entertainment persona if 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 I can give you a metaphor for it um, taking a layer of clothing off okay uh, what exactly and then this is a serious question this isn't my sarcasm shining through so allow me to try and delicately ask you this what 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 is your meaning behind that metaphor we're getting a lot of exposure of um, of wrestling um, we're really used to it with an audience and seeing these these slick cuts and uh, this heavily produced matches. Uh, sometimes it, it it feels good, but other times I I, I wane on nostalgia and I want that old uh, wrestling live in front of people. Um, the yep. struggle, the realism. Um, we have certainly exposed a layer of this business, um, and, and I don't know if it'll change after this, for the good or for the better. Um, a lot of people are talking on the internet, especially after you and I have talked. Um, not because you and I have talked. <laughs> yeah, be... no, yeah, people don't give a shit about us. <laughs> but the Boneyard... Except for all you that listen, of course. <laughs> the Boneyard match, the um, the Firefly Funhouse, the Edge and Orton, the um, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, these matches are, 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 are looking more sleek and it's it's one on one, and it feels like somebody said it feels like the video game version. Like remember WCW Mayhem? Yeah, um, the backstage assault where they fought in like various like random areas except for the ring. Except for the ring, yeah. Yep. I mean, I can't knock the production at all, but that's not necessarily what I looked for in my wrestling. I looked for the 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 suspension of disbelief. Um, just trying to make me feel like it was fucking real. Um, and maybe that's coming from a kid, uh, and that's why I latched on. Um, but that, that's where I, that's where I'm at, Dave. This has been a week that's hit me hard and reflecting on wrestling. I've been watching a lot of old school wrestling, um, during this quarantine. Same here. Same yeah. here. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm, you know, I try to, I, I'm a kind of person, I guess you could say I'm like a half, you know, glass full kind of guy um can a whoop ass to... still half full <laughs> god damn <sighs> um i uh i try to see and understand you know I, I try not to react out of emotion when i see something like most fans do and i'm not putting you in that category but it just seems like especially lately because of the circumstances we are in People react emotionally without really like taking a step back and just trying to process what we're seeing. Um, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and uh, you know they're trying to entertain us to the best of their abilities and to their capabilities. Um, given the circumstances, here we go again with this. Given the circumstances, it's going to be a theme here. This is given the circumstances, part two. This is the era. The Retro Mania yeah. Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, but no, in all seriousness. Um, they're, they're trying to entertain us here, and they're trying to find different creative ways to do that because there's no audience, because there's no audience to react to the things that they're doing. You know, case in point, Boneyard Match, Firefly Funhouse were the two things that I think 
people took away from WrestleMania this year. Um, and I think that because there has been a positive uh, response from those matches, they are implying that cinematic approach, or at least I, what I think they're going to apply, that cinematic approach, to this Money in the Bank concept where, for those of you out there that are listening, if you don't know, the, the Money in the Bank ladder matches, the men and the women's matches, were gonna take, they're going to take place from WWE headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, the matches are going to start out on the ground floor, and the briefcase will be hanging on the top of the roof, where I'm guessing there is a ring set up, and you have to climb the ladder and retrieve the briefcase. But the, the matches will start on the ground floor, and you make your way up the top of the tower, um, which I thought, you know, you can't knock them for trying. Um, to entertain us during this pandemic for, for, for making the effort um, to give us a distraction because this thing has has twisted everybody all different kinds of ways um, emotionally um, and they're, they're at least making their best effort to distract us from this whole thing. Um, so I'm afraid though that the only thing that the only drawback from this idea, depending on the success of it, is how often they're going to go the cinematic approach moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if this, if this thing goes on any longer than, you know, well into the, the latter part of this year, you know, we may be seeing all of our pay-per-views in a cinematic form. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as Vince would say, we make movies. You know, that, that may be the case <laughs> mm-hmm. for, for, the better, for the better part of WWE programming um, until things get back to normal. So I'm afraid that it, the cinematic feel is going to lose its its special um, feeling, its luster, you know, so to speak. So that's the that's the drawback I have there for for that. When it comes to, like you said, you 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 yearn for that crowd, and I'm with you there, pal. Okay, I'm I'm all about like having that audience reaction as a viewer at home to feed off of that, you know, and to gauge you know, my interest in the product with the audience's reaction as well in the arena. Um, but there's so much criticism towards, and more specifically, WWE. And, of course, we'll get into it when we talk about the roster cuts. But, um, you know, at first it was like, why are they even wrestling? This is dangerous. People are going to get sick. This is just Vince being greedy for money, et cetera, et cetera. Then they put out a product. That, that they've had to alter because there is no fan participation in the arena. And it's, oh, this is terrible. This sucks. You know, why are they doing this? They should have had this match in the ring, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get, you know, the folks that didn't like the Firefly Funhouse or didn't appreciate the Boneyard match. And they're like, oh, this is awful. They should have they should have just canceled this and WrestleMania. It's like, you can't please everybody. No, you can't. And, 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 and you know... I'm, I'm during this whole thing. I'm trying to understand and make the best of this of my own personal situation, as you are, as everybody else is. And when it comes to my my viewing habits as a wrestling fan, it has taken some adjusting to get used to. I will say, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I watched the and, and speaking of that, I watched the John Moxley Jake Hager match from AEW earlier this week. That empty arena match, and to me, like I was already used to. I was already I was already accustomed to watching a wrestling match with no fans in the audience for these last several weeks, or even now we're going on you know middle of April, going on almost you know a month. month. Yeah, 
And the story they tried to tell in that match was, it, it's like they couldn't figure out or make up their mind the message they were trying to send to us as a viewer. It was on one hand it turned into an MMA match, and then on the other hand it turned into um, a brawl you know, uh, that, that fit an empty arena match, but then it went back to a very slow, methodically paced wrestling match in the middle of a stand. Like, they mm. couldn't figure out what they wanted to do with that. Mm. And I thought, like, now's not the time for them to not have a grasp, at least for AEW in that particular instance, now's not the time for them to not have a grasp on what kind of message they're trying to send to us. Because they gave us mixed signals with that match, at least with WWE, and I'm not favoring them um, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of AEW, but at least when they went all in with their cinematic approach, they went all in, you know what I mean? Right. Especially with the Funhouse. So, I'm, it, it's just, it's tiring to listen to fans complain about everything. You know, the Sean Ross saps of the world, and, and I'll get into him later when it comes to these roster cuts, because I... I I kind of had it out with a couple of his followers on Twitter. Uh, that's oh, how nice. much time I have on my hands. But <laughs> the Sean Ross saps of the world just pick apart everything, especially right. that WWE is doing, and just find so much negative and can't really under can't really take make the best of the situation. You know, Sean Ross sap is like this is you know they shouldn't be wrestling. This isn't safe. Someone's going to get sick, et cetera, et cetera. And then you know they should. They should pay all their employees. They shouldn't have cut anybody. But, you know, they have a bit... Like, he can't even make up his mind. Like, But they they need they have a business to run. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they should be entertaining the wrestling fans during this pandemic. But they shouldn't be wrestling. But they shouldn't be doing... They should be doing it safely. Like, he can't even make up his mind. Like, yeah. And I'll get into him about the roster cuts later. But I just feel like when it comes to this whole... The way that everyone is handling their viewing of wrestling... During this pandemic, like I look at it like this is temporary. I'll deal with it for now until this ends. Absolutely, this isn't going to last forever. You know Absolutely, what I mean? and and I'll try and find the good out of it. And if there's things I don't like, there's things I don't like. And there has been things that I don't like. And to some extent, I'm not really a hundred percent accustomed to watching a match with no audience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like, it's it's, and you also got to understand too when it comes to the performers. They get in a groove. They have a rhythm themselves when it comes to being performers. So, like, for instance, when fans complain about this person jumping on the turnbuckle and, you know, posing for the audience that isn't there, don't you think that that might have just been out of habit because that's part of their routine? Like, they're trying to get used to it as well. They've never performed in front of nobody. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't just go out there and stand in the ring and, you know, like uh, when they did on the commercial break and just wait. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's 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 really hard for even the performers too to to get used to this and and you know they they've had to work around this as well. So it's an adjustment for everybody. So I, I when it comes to that like it's a circle back here with the money in the bank. I think the idea I wouldn't say it's genius, but I I applaud them for trying really hard to 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 entertain us and come up with a different way to um to present their product because they've they've been public enemy number one when it comes to fans thinking that there's no creativity from them and now they've been forced to really think outside of the box here and I, I'm applauding them for for uh, for doing that. The one 
thing that I that now when it comes to the rules of this match, are we going to have two separate matches with the guys and the girls trying to go up through the building to get to the top of the ladder, or are they going to simultaneously allow the girls and the guys to have this big brawl all over the building, and that's how they filmed it? Because if you do two separate matches, you're just going to be redundant with you know the guys and the girls trashing certain parts of the building. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? What if so they go to the same that, area, you know? After, so, yeah. yeah. So now you have to, like, limit, like, all right, well, you know, the girls and the guys can only, you know, the girls can only go on the third and the fifth floor. The guys can only go on the second and the fourth floor. You know what I mean? And, like, only this person can trash Vince's office, you know? So it's like, I think when it comes to this match that, 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 that they're, that sounds like they've already produced some of it. From what I understand, They've they've done some filming yesterday, as a matter of fact, in Stamford, um, and there, I've seen some pictures online. Apparently, the ring is up on top of the roof, and they have a, a, a lighting rigging apparatus that's supposed to hold the briefcases. And so, um, I think that from what it sounds like, we might see both the men and the women's match take place at the same time. But as a viewer, is that going to be too much for us to keep up with? Are we going to try and you know figure out? Who's where and what and why? Yeah, because you have you have six competitors in each match, correct? Yeah, it's going to be six guys and six girls, so that's a lot of that's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you know, so it's it's almost like I don't know the way that they've set it up. They've kind of either way, someone's going to find something wrong with it. Bottom line, you know what I mean? Someone's going to find something wrong with it. You know what I mean? The redundancy yeah. of, of of separating the guys and the girls with the, with the similar spots in two matches, or putting them all together and trying to figure out who's who. You well, know what I mean? So well, it's like you said that they're pigeon held to this uh, because of the circumstances that we are in. Um, yep. and, and nowadays everybody has an opinion, and everybody's a critic. Um, I'm just more or less digesting it as. Uh, I'm going to be thankful for wrestling returning in full. I'm just trying yeah. to try, trying to digest what they are giving to us now in this different uh, state of climate of um, consuming wrestling. Because yeah. they, 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 they've pretty much gotten used to us staying at home now. Uh, that It wouldn't strike me to have some shows or some uh, thematic matches that don't require an audience anymore. Um, yeah, you know, to make those movies, pal. Um, and <laughs> this money in the bank, um, this is such an interesting concept. When I saw the flyer last night, uh, I had to look around Dave at least five times. I thought it was a shitty Photoshop joke. Um, cause have you seen the, the flyer? Yeah, I actually I, I posted the flyer on the Retro Mania page and as well as on the Kicking Out of Two page, and somebody. Somebody mentioned to me that they thought it was a headline for kfabenews.com. Absolutely. If you follow, if you follow com, they they're like the they're like the onion of pro wrestling news. Yes. Um, and so uh, yeah, I, I I I get why looking at it you could think, oh man, this is fake. Yeah, I mean, they just have random uh, wrestlers flying in the air on the building, uh, ladders crashing into the building, uh, the. The money in the bank, briefcases being hung above the corporate headquarters of 
WWE, and what a synonymous place to do this at. I mean, they filmed the Attitude Era there. We we got a lot of comparisons the past couple of years of the Attitude Era, and everybody loves that nostalgia. So why not go back to the WWE corporate headquarters and uh, destroy it? And like you said, I I, th- I think they're really calling for um for someone to um I like that picture that you just sent me. That is crazy. The ring on top of the yeah, yeah we'll posted on the. The WrestleMania page, but um, they they yeah, have you know the other thing too is that I noticed apparently before this pandemic hit, WWE was in the middle of changing their offices. They bought a piece of another piece of property, a bigger office space in downtown Stamford, and um, the uh, somebody said something about great way to send off the old headquarters by putting a match on at headquarters, uh, you know, right before the move. But apparently in the in the, the conference call that Vince made when he made the roster cuts, he said that the, the, the move to the new office has um, has been put on hold oh, wow. uh, because of the pandemic. So, oh. um, and all the money that's going into, you know, that, that, particular, uh, that particular project. So um, it'd be kind of funny to see if WWE, I don't know if they own that building, I think they do. I think they own the the building they're currently in now, and they're in the midst of selling it. Or during this, or they were at one point. I could be mistaken. I don't know. Well, right. I'm sorry. Continue. Well, so do you think they'll they'll? I mean, that's the another thing is. Do you think they'll bring Vince's office into this? Do you think they'll have Triple H's office into this? That this week we were just announced that the 25th anniversary of Triple H will be covered on WWE, and then they subtly said. Triple H has never won a Money in the Bank ladder I match. know. I, I, and I was like, oh, thought. no. My oh, no. Thought. He just grabs the sledgehammer out of his office and takes everybody out. <laughs> and then we get Big Show I, fall off the top of a, a building again. Or Shane McMahon. Oh! Someone, someone, already, someone already photoshopped a picture of Shane McMahon jumping off the top of Titan Towers with the Money in the Bank briefcase. I gotta find it somewhere. But yeah, no. When, when they had said that Hunter never won money in the bank. Um, I was kind of hoping it was a smooth transition to announce this concept, but it because it's felt. at the office, yeah. it would not surprise me in the least bit if, because it's the 25th anniversary of him joining the company, because it's taking place in the office, because Hunter has never won money in the bank, that this might be the opportunity for them to reintroduce Hunter into storylines and this is kind of like his one last run. Like they'll they'll depict it as like he's you know he's an office guy now, but he's making one last run to be the man, right? Uh, so to speak, you know, in a, in a way, trying to take a, a page out of you know like some of the, the like the Rocky story, mm-hmm. and you know that 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 Rocky story at the, uh, towards the end of the the movie series where he went for one last fight or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. like it part of me feels like that. I, that that approach would not surprise me, but at the same time, well, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, the company already has enough heat on them for not only putting on shows in front of nobody <laughs> and endangering the lives of their performers, according to all these fans. Not only for letting go of all these talents this past week, um, you know, and, and but you add, let's say, Hunter into the mix and putting him as you know, the money in the bank winner, Jesus Christ. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. I he, mean, I'm not going to think he, too far ahead. He, I, was just, yeah. I was just hoping that was a, a smooth <laughs> transition with Michael Cole. But you know what? Given the timing of everything, would not surprise me. That would be very interesting. And to see what happens next. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested to see what is going to happen with this. If they're going to do the simultaneous um, matches or just do one-on-one. I don't know. Like, And then... Go back to the ring. Is this going to be the only ca- matches on the card? Like, how long is this going to go? No, what? no, no. They, like, I'm so. From what I understand, so they announced on SmackDown Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt for oh, the Universal right. Title. Sasha or uh, Tamina is going to wrestle um, uh, Bailey, yep. which is kind of which is kind of surprising given that you know um, the Jimmy Snuka documentary just came out. Uh, from Dark Side of the Ring this past week, which has gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and maybe that's another discussion for another day. Won't get, I mean, this, this week was pretty filled with controversy when it comes to wrestling in general. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, so there's that. So I would imagine that, I don't know, They, they from what I'm hearing, they said that the, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was not going to take place at the Performance Center. Um, and so... We're looking at two different maybe, feeds. Yeah, we might get two different feeds. I'm, I'm guessing the ladder match. Pre, you know, like I said, I heard it. Part of it was pre-recorded yesterday. Okay. So that stuff will all be pre-taped. Um, I don't know how live the rest of the show is going to be or where it's going to emanate. I'm guessing maybe Full Sail, Full Sail University. It does NXT. They might hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. So. Um, We'll have to see. But um, you know what's interesting? Um, when it comes to the way that wrestling has been produced in the last um, you know, several weeks and months during this pandemic is that um, this was an approach that WWE almost went with, with when it came to the original Monday Night Raw. Um, I listened to an episode of Pritchard's show a couple of years ago when they approached the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw and they covered the very first edition of Monday Night Raw, and they talked about how they were looking, because the company was in transition and they were going through the steroid trial and they were making some changes when it came to their product, they they were looking for a warehouse space to run weekly television from one central remote location with a small audience in their in in their location before they chose the the Manhattan Center in New York. They were looking for something in like New York or Connecticut, like a warehouse that they could buy or rent out and produce television on a weekly basis. Wow. Um, as like their for, for Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. So they could house maybe like a couple hundred fans, um, three or four hundred fans and and do TV weekly to cut back on travel costs and everything else that they've been going that, that they've been going through at that time. So it's quite ironic that like some 27 years later, you know, they're, they're kind of doing that, but with no audience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it kind of reminds me of, do you remember AWA when they had no audience for a, a brief period of time? Didn't they green screen? Yes. They their, green their screen the fucking audience, man. They yeah. filmed, they filmed like a bar, uh, and then had that superimposed after post green screen around these guys wrestling in front of nobody. Um, <laughs> I almost thought 
well, WWE could do something like that and just cut to old footage of fans. The 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 black dude who's surprised that Undertaker lost. He's like, <laughs> they keep going to him like every time. Yeah, uh, that would be cool. Or the girl of uh, the little white girl that's mad that Miz uh, was the champion. Yeah. So I I, I don't know. It, it it's interesting this comparison of the the past of small warehouse wrestling cutting down your overhead not this grand production of wrestling slimming it down it's back to the basics and no fucking crowd so what a what an interesting time and speaking of no crowd or uh, no steam what what's going on with these people that have been cut from WWE what's going to happen with these people uh you know honestly um this goes back to what we're going through currently with this pandemic, but everyone is taking a hit. You know, there's been a lot of negative backlash towards WWE for cutting all these people during this pandemic and them being a billion dollar company. And everybody has, you know, everybody needs to, needs a job too. You know, there's so much going on from, from the fan backlash when it comes to them, you know, Oh, they had this much money left in cash reserves that was reported to wall street. They had enough to keep them all employed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, there's just so much negative backlash. And like I said, everyone's taking a hit. Everyone is cutting back. All these big corporations are furloughing or laying people off or letting people go, you know, 20 million people are out of work in this country right now. Okay, I just saw it on the news the other day. 20 million people have applied for unemployment benefits in the United States. And the system is so backed up. Okay, it's 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 unreal. Mm-hmm. And 20 million people are out of work, but Wednesday, 40 or so wrestlers get cut and wrestling fans who for the most part I feel like they don't get out of their own bubble sometimes. Yeah. Um the, the wrestling bubble, and I've been guilty of it before too because I'm a huge wrestling fan, as we know. But wrestling fans don't get out of their bubble and they lose their minds that these 40 people lost their jobs. Right. It's like, do you not what's go, do you not realize what's going on in the rest of this world? Okay. You're also the same fans that think that WWE shouldn't be performing right now for the safety of their wrestlers, you know? But then you complain when they don't give us the entertainment that you think we deserve during this time period. So now we're supposed to. WWE is supposed to keep these guys on, you know, it's like Sean Ross Sapp. He's been a big proponent of WWE not putting on shows right now because of the safety of the performers during this pandemic, which, okay, you make a good point, but listen, Sean Ross Sapp, are they supposed to keep all these people employed? Are they supposed to, you know, um, pay their bills weekly? You know, mm-hmm. like they have shareholders and investors to answer to. They're a publicly traded billion dollar company. They're not the only company in this country, in this world that are making cutbacks during this pandemic. Now, let, let, let's also be clear on the facts here. OK, the producers that were let go from WWE, which include Billy Kidman, Lance Storm, Dave Finley, Mike Rotundo, Pat Buck, Sarah Stock, Scott Armstrong, Shane Helms and Sean Devari. They've all been furloughed. Okay, which means they're expected to go back to work when this thing slows down. They're hoping for like July or August. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. At this rate. So they didn't totally lose their jobs. All right. The wrestlers who have been cut and let go are Aiden English, Kurt Hawkins, Drake Maverick, EC3, Epico, Eric Young, Heath Slater, Carl Anderson, 
Leo Rush, Luke Gallows, Maria Canellis, Mike Canellis, Mike Kyoto, referee, Noe Jose, Primo, Rowan, Rusev, Sarah Logan, Zack Ryder, Deanna Perrazzo, Kurt Angle, who is not a wrestler, he's a producer, Kurt Angle was released. And so an Kurt on-air Angle, talent sometimes. Yeah, he was, yeah, sometimes. So, so, so right off the bat, Kyoto, yep. Gallows, Anderson, and Rush are the only people that I see that I would have a problem with. The rest of the people were hardly being used or on the roster or having TV time in general. Correct. And we, as wrestling fans, know every year after WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, there's spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay. Um, What are your thoughts? I mean... So, all right. Like I said, we get fans that are like, oh, you know, all of a sudden, wrestling fans now know how to run a billion dollar company. They have uh, they have a, a degree in accounting, and you know what I mean. And and they and they know what's best better than Vince McMahon. And it just it just shows the the emotion that comes out of their responses when they have no knowledge of what took place during this situation. From what I understand, everything I've read, and even Shane Helms had had uh, relayed the same message on Busted Open earlier this week, was that. Vince didn't want to do this, but he has no choice. You know, Vince lost millions of dollars in the XFL. The XFL's had to file for bankruptcy. People look at it as like, oh, he's some greedy old billionaire. But every company is taking a hit. Everybody who has a business is having to scale back. This is what they're doing. I don't. I you know, think uh, you know, uh, Vince told me he didn't want to oh, have to go. screw me one time before too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, go, go ahead. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I had to slip that in there. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm, I'm glad Brett could make an appearance and, uh, and uh, put his two cents in this week. Um, no, uh, it, when it comes to this, it's unfortunate. Nobody wanted to see this happen, okay? And had we not had this pandemic, I'm sure we would have had some cuts made because I think by now, at least from Vince's perspective and from a company perspective, they don't look at AEW as big of a threat as they once did and so i think a lot of these contracts were of the the names that vince tried to keep from going to AEW. so he offered them large sums of money and under operating expenses these these talents are getting paid a lot of money a lot of money so i think it comes from the the numbers of each individual's contracts like mike and mike and maria canellis i heard were making each each a quarter or a half a million dollars. Well, okay, so Gallows, Canellis, Anderson, and Rusev have all, and Leo Rush, have all been let go and rehired with, with higher contracts. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's a cost-cutting measure, but, I mean, yeah. th- this was already foreseeable for the future for these guys. Yeah, I don't know how, I don't know as many. I'll be honest with you, and they're, and also the the thing too is that they're not running live events, they're not running non televised shows right now. So therefore, cutting the producers who are out on the road during the these agents, live events, yeah, there's they're not necessary. Well, yeah, it, it, they're not necessary right now. Fur, they furloughed them, so there's a chance that these. Guys, I think there's a good chance that the majority of these guys could get called back. Honestly, once this thing slows down, you know, Anderson and Gallows, I think, have a good chance of getting called back. Everyone assumes they're going to go to AEW. I know that Carl Anderson posted something about maybe going to Japan and they've already got shirts out on pro wrestling tees. And I totally understand 
you know, the logic and the thinking behind that. But, you know, from what I understand, AJ Styles pushed hard for the two of them to get deals to begin with. And a big part of AJ's contract renewal earlier this year was he wanted them to be paired with him on TV and they and they have a significant role. And they're not just, you know, used to, to, to job to everybody. And that's why they that's why Heyman, who was leading the charge on the writing team on Raw, set that up. Um, so I think Anderson and Gallows have a good shot at coming back. I think Drake Maverick has a good shot at coming back, even though, you know, he's going to be a part of this cruiserweight tournament and he's, um, you know, he's, he's very closely associated with someone like EC3. They're, they're great friends behind the scenes. I think he's got a shot at coming back. I also think, you know, referee Mike Kyoto, he'd been with the company for 30 years. I think he's the senior so, referee now at this point. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a senior referee, but... He probably, because he had such a long tenure and because he'd been there for, for, for such a long time, that he had a pretty substantial contract in terms of how much he was making. So therefore, like you said, cost-cutting. You know, A lot of these contracts, I think, were Vince trying to keep these guys from going to AEW. So therefore, these are the individuals that he's cutting because of the, their, the operating expenses are so large in their contracts. And you know if what I mean? Yeah, and if we've learned anything in wrestling, it's always temporary. Yeah, so I don't, like, for, you know, let, let me go through this list here. Um, Mike Kanellis and Maria Kanellis, they wanted out of their contract for a while, so I can't see, I, I can't see them coming back. Um, Eric Young, can't see him coming back. Um, Primo and Epico, can't see them coming back. Rusev, he wanted out, can't see him coming back. Um, Gals and Anderson, yes. Leo Rush, possibly. Um, Rowan, Eric, Eric Rowan, I could definitely see him coming back. Vince likes big guys. Um, I'm trying to see who else here is on this list that I could potentially see coming back. Um, yeah, no, that's about it. Maybe, maybe, maybe Ryder and Hawkins because they were they were they were company guys. They did what was asked of them. Um, but at the same time, I think that they've kind of built a following um, outside of WWE with their action figure podcast and the, the they're perfect fit for AEW. I could see them definitely going to AEW for sure, absolutely. Um, but I don't see all and everyone, everyone's saying too, oh, like oh AEW is going to pick up all these guys. No, they're not. No, AEW is no. in the same boat. In fact, if anything, they're far they're in a far worse boat if you think about it. Oh, you know? absolutely. Tony like, Khan has a has a hell of a paycheck. I mean. A, checkbook to be letting out this this next couple months yeah i mean think about it like they're not you know they don't generate as much revenue as wwe does you know they, they don't do live events it's all based on television and pay-per-view and when their television is been you know altered and they can't run pay-per-views then they might have to make some cuts too this is their first year of business this is a hard blow oh um, yeah and it's it's killing the steam that they had, but they're still they're still getting consistent viewers that match NXT every week. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's 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 it, it, honestly. Let's let, let me just put it to you this way: if the NFL, which is a billion dollar business, decides that they're going to do a season without fans, just like all other major league sports are considering it, like baseball and basketball. Um, if, if they are considering running sporting events without fans, I can't see 
the future for AEW looks very bleak as an operating wrestling organization. Yes. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's unfortunate. That is. But um, I think at the same time, knowing what we know as fans from what information we gather, I think Tony Khan, because this is a very important project for him, he might bite the bullet financially and keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it, he might have to make some cuts. It's just, it's just a, it's just a fact of life. Um, like I said, there, 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 there are too many fans out there, and and I'm not trying to separate myself from other wrestling fans because I'm a fan just like everybody else. But there are too many fans out there that just got so upset and 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 reacted on pure emotion without trying to think logically as to why these decisions were made um, and why all these people were let go. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate that like. WWE, they had to make a hard decision, and during this during this time period, you know, everyone, everyone is making this decision on one scale or another. You know what I mean? It's not just wrestling. You know, it's life right now. This is bigger than that. You know, Absolutely. this whole thing has, has has become our new normal and has shaped our world in ways that I don't know how long it's going to take us to recover from. You know, and I think wrestling fans need to understand that that. This is a business, and these guys needed to Vince and, and the, he had shareholders and investors to answer to, and he was taking a beating, you know, with the XFL and, and this, and losing you know twenty million dollars in revenue for WrestleMania. Like it's crazy. Like how do you expect him to operate? You know, and yes, I know that they're a publicly traded company, and yes, I know that you know there's information about the finances out there that you know Vince had five hundred million in cash reserve, and he could have survived, and these guys could have still kept their jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But um, how much of that five million, five hundred million in cash reserve is 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 revenue, and how much you know are they going to be able to operate on? You know, during this yep. time period, like it's just there, there's so much more than just like. It's not as easy as everyone thinks. There's more to it than meets the eye when it comes to slashing these guys' contracts. And I just think it's very unfortunate that um, people don't understand that. You know, like the, the Sean Ross Saps of the world who, you know, and here's another thing too about him. Because like I said, I got into it with a few of his followers Sean Ross Sapp, we're coming for you, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'll be honest with you. When it comes to like dirt sheet information, I don't really rely on Meltzer. I definitely don't rely on Ryan Satin. Uh you know, when it comes to that, like Mike Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider and Sean Ross Sapp are usually the most reliable ones when it comes to getting that information out there. And that's who I really rely on. Um, but Sapp is a big mark. He's a fucking fanboy. He's an AEW fanboy. Everything that WWE does is wrong. Everything that AEW does is right. Mm-hmm. He's a big fucking fanboy at the end of the day. And, he, and and I wouldn't say that he's proud of it, but he goes out of his way to... to to, to show us that on social media, so like I said, he was one of those big. He was one of those big proponents of WWE not even operating, but AEW is doing the same thing, and they put on great shows. You know what I mean? The hypocrisy in his commentary just baffles me. And for instance, you know he's got a service on his page where he he has free news, and then if you're a Patreon member, you have to pay for other news. Mm. And so the hypocrisy in the fact that he thinks WWE shouldn't have run shows they shouldn't have put on a wrestlemania they should have kept everybody on their payroll all right well pal you know you have a business yourself 
obviously not as big as WWE, but you have a business to yourself and you are asking people to contribute to your Patreon if they wanted to get exclusive news, right? <laughs> so why don't you, let me tell you something, everyone's hurting in this country, why don't you give that out for free? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's right, you have a business to run. I forgot. Yep. Fucking, it, fucking yeah. hypocrite. It's crazy. Could you imagine having a, a like a like a cigar business, and then you got like that logo tattooed on your neck, and then your business closed down? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, wait, so did, did his, did I don't know, but I, I just was thinking of that. Oh Ooh. my god! <sighs> Sorry. Whew. No, that's okay. Because they right. just got started, just with all that branding and. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. So yeah, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but you know, to to, to kind of close this out, this subject out here. Um, when it comes to these talents, I'm sure that they're all going to land on their feet somewhere. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit that when these guys were informed that they were let go, that they were all told that there was a a almost 100% positive chance they'll get rehired um, once this thing dies down and we, we go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think they're, I don't think all of them, but I think a majority of them, I think we'll get a call back. Um, you know, the Heath Slaters, the, 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 the Riders and Hawkins, um, the Gallows and Anderson, maybe even Mike Kyoto. I don't know. Mike Kyoto was a surprising one for me. I know. Only, I, I was shocked. because of his tenure. But I think I think his contract was so large because of his tenure that the operating cost of that contract on a daily and weekly basis was 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 too much, and they needed to they needed to cut costs when it came to his deal, especially. But I could be wrong too, as well. So yeah, um, we shall see. Um, moving on, a sad sad note. Howard Fink, Howard Finkel, the one and only Howard Finkel. Rest in peace. He passed. Uh, do you know what he succumbed to, Dave? Uh, um, I, I just, I think, from what I've heard, I know that like a year and a half, two years ago, he suffered from a stroke. Okay. And he wasn't in great health since then. And I just think like it just kind of caught up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his health had just declined. Uh, within the last year or so, um, pictures of him had surfaced of of him uh he was uh visiting backstage um wrestlemania weekend um last year in the, in the new york area because i believe he lives in the new york area he lived in the new york area at the time so there were pictures of him with bruce pritchard and zach Ryder, and braun Strowman, and a few other guys um from what i understand on tommy dreamer's twitter dreamer and him spoke regularly or, you know, interacted regularly. Dreamer used to visit him at the nursing home. So I think his health had just um, had just declined and following that stroke, I think, like I said, a year and a half, two years ago, maybe. Hmm. Um, and it just was very unfortunate. 69 years old wow. um, that he had passed. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's more to it that we'll find out after a, 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 um, an autopsy's done. But, yeah, that was... You know, to pile on the bad news this week even more, man. Whew, holy cow. Um, you know, like you, a voice of our generation. You know, when it, when it came to ring announcing, like, he was he was the benchmark. 
you know, you think like, of rest, WWF, you oh, hear yeah. that voice. Yeah, you know, um, like him and Gary Michael Capetta were like the two mm. guys when it came to wrestling ring announcing, like what you were accustomed to. Um, uh, and so, you know, but his voice, the, the, the cadence in his voice, his delivery, how he made how he made people feel so important um, by his ring announcing. Everyone that has gone through that company has said, like, you knew you made it big when Howard introduced you. The following um, contest is scheduled yeah. for one fall. Oh, yeah. It was just, and new! Yes. And new! That delay. Yeah. Or, like, when uh, when he would announce something like, President Jack Tunney has announced this match must yeah. continue. And yeah. the crowd would fucking pop. Oh, oh. Yeah, I mean, just the stuff that, you know, he, the, 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 the major announcements and, you know, him like the commentators were like a soundtrack to many guys' careers in wrestling history just with those announcements alone, you know, part of some of the most memorable moments um, in, the, in the history of wrestling, you know. So, um, yeah, man, it, I, I mean, it got to a point where like, God, I forget when it was. I think it was in 2017. Um, I could be wrong. I'll have to go back. But, but Howard used to... The only time you saw Howard on TV is when he announced the, the, the Hall of Fame class at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I forget. I don't know if... I think it was... I think 2017 was the first time he didn't do the announcement uh. at WrestleMania. And, you, and that was like the first time I really noticed it. I could be wrong, but I mean... You know, his voice just added so much credibility. I remember when in 1999 when he was replaced on on you know by like Lillian Garcia and Tony Chimmel, yep. and you know it was a hard adjustment to get used to because he was like I said, his voice, man, he just he was he, he was a voice of our generation and someone who really added legitimacy and credibility to the presentation based on how he delivered those announcements and introduced guys. And, you know, I, I don't remember so much of, like, the, the when he was involved in... Like, he was involved in a couple of storylines, like the tuxedo match. Tony <laughs> Chimmel, Tony Chimmel, the tuxedo <laughs> match, the uh, hair club for men. Uh, yeah. That was at WrestleMania? Who was that with? Uh, well, he did... So he... he the hair he was he had the toupee for the hair club for men, and then he kind of got into it with Harvey Whippleman, which yes. they always had like a long standing you know back and forth you know periodically on television. They had a tuxedo match in '95 on Raw, um, but they weren't. Um, it wasn't a regular ongoing thing. He did stuff with the Bushwhackers. You always saw him interacting with guys. He was Jericho's lackey at one point. Oh, um, that was funny. He had stuff. He did stuff with Lillian Garcia when Lillian Garcia, you know, um, was a ring announcer. Uh, so I mean, he was. I don't know, man. How could you, how could you not have WWF WWE without the fake? You know, he yeah. coined the phrase WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Yeah, we would have had Colossal Tussle thirty six yeah. this year. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Yeah, like it's crazy. Like what he's contributed and the way he, you know, also his behind the scenes work too. I think a lot of people, you know, don't really know. He was an idea guy. Of, you know, he, yeah, he was an idea guy, but he also. He organized travel. He helped, you know, make sure that guys got to their towns, and, you know, where they're, you know, uh, 
rent their cars and et cetera, et cetera. Like he took care of a lot of that travel and the itinerary and, you know, booking the live, the, the, the live events and, and what guys were on the cards. And so he was, he was very instrumental in a lot of pieces. I'll never, here's an interesting story. I'll never forget. Okay. We talk about Harvey Whippleman. Okay. He was known as downtown Bruno in, uh, in Memphis. Yes. And, I was working for a local catering company in the Hartford, Connecticut area, and we used to do the um, we used to do the, uh, the 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 concerts in mm-hmm. the, like a local amphitheater, and we would serve the talents you know that came through backstage and the tour and everything. So on that same day, WWF ran a pay per view, and I was actually going to the pay per view, and I had tickets for it. I was I was bringing my boss's kid with me, and. Um, my boss gets a phone call from one of the production guys at the arena that he knows. And they ask, they knew that we were, um, we were doing a show in Connecticut. They knew, or they knew we were doing a concert and we had, they knew that we had access to alcohol and the show took place on a Sunday. And in Connecticut at one point, there was no alcohol served on a Sunday unless you went to a bar. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't go to a liquor store. Now that's changed. But, um, they called us and said, is there any way you can get some beer for the wrestlers? They, 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 they don't have any beer for after the show. And um, my boss asked me if I wanted to go. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. Um, get beer for the boys. They were going to give us some free T-shirts or whatever. They, you know, um, Even though I had tickets, they were going to give us some free T-shirts. And so I managed to get like two 30-packs of beer for, for these guys. Um, that we had already had on hand. It was like extra stuff that we had had. It was supposed to go to um, one of the one of the musical acts that was was uh, performing, but for whatever reason, we had we had extra stuff. So I bring the beer to the arena, and do you remember the guy who played the usher for Goldust? Mm. He had like the like the the movie theater usher hat and yes. the, the jacket. With the it was tassel. very okay. brief, but yes. Yeah, okay. He, so, no, that character was very brief. Yeah, the character was very brief. Yeah, exactly. It was like a, a, a one-and-done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he goes by the name of Magic, Richie Posner. And he's the one that does... Oh, he's a, I, I think he still is to this day a big part of their production in terms of you know all the, the gimmicks and everything. And I get to the top of the ramp of the, of the, the building and I called the production guy on my cell phone. I said, I'm here at the top of the ramp. Can somebody let me in? So they let me in. I go down the ramp. I'm carrying these two things of beer. And I see at the bottom of the ramp is Richie Posner, Harvey Whippleman, and Howard Finkel. Now, I didn't talk to Fink, okay? I didn't have any kind of interaction with him. But I'll never forget, I brought them the beer. They handed me uh, Harvey Whippleman handed me a couple of t-shirts he thanked me and then in the distinct Howard Finkel voice from afar as I'm walking away he was like young man thank you very much <laughs> and and I I turned around I said you're welcome Mr. Finkel and I walked up the ramp with like one of the biggest smiles on my face that I just awesome. I was like Fink I felt like he announced me coming down to the ring the way that he had delivered that voice that message that is great and that voice like he was from what I understand he was like that all the time when he spoke when mm-hmm. he talked with people um, 
Luke Gallows did a uh, uh, an interview on Sam Roberts' podcast a couple of years ago where he tells a story about how Finkel called him up to tell him that he got a job with WWE and he was going to be working on the road. And he thought it was a rib. And Finkel, even like on the phone call, told him, like, you will be wrestling Kane in Biloxi, Mississippi at 7 p.m. <laughs> like, he, did the, he did the whole, like, announcement on the phone. At least that's what Gallows said. Now, do you so think they just, did that because Gallows does a good impression? That could be, too. Okay, that could be very, that, that, that very well could be the case. But, I think um, they were ribbing. Yeah, they could, yeah, Gallows could have just been ribbing to tell a great story. But at least that's what Gallows is. Had, had said in that podcast. No, I'm but saying yeah. I'm saying maybe WWE got Howard Fink to call him because they know he does a good impression. Oh um, you know? yeah, that, that that very well could be, that very well could have been the case too. But nonetheless, um, man, I'll tell you, Howard Finkel, staple my childhood, gone way too soon. Um, I'm glad that he was put into the Hall of Fame uh, a number of years ago because he definitely deserved it. I mean, uh, a, a voice of our childhood, soundtrack of many guys' careers, and part of some major, major moments um, in, in in WWF history. It's it's it was it was a very sad day, mm-hmm. and I was you know when I heard a number a couple of years ago that he had a stroke, I was like, oh man, that's unfortunate. You know, he's the fink, everybody loves him. He just he just had this way of him that like made you love him. Like you couldn't be mad at Howard Finkel. You know, you couldn't find something wrong with Howard Finkel. You know, he was just, a, he, he just, he, he generated this, like, lovable presence on the screen. Even if you didn't know. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, rest in peace, Howard Fink. Dave, you want to sign us off, let us know what's going on, and then we'll do a 10-bell salute um, at the end for Howard Fink. Uh, yeah, um, you know, thank you guys also very much for uh, checking out this bonus show, this week in review of uh, some of the, the, the happenings in, in pro wrestling. I thought we'd kind of mix it up a little bit and talk about some of the current stuff. Um, you know, you can find Kicking Out of Two on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out of Two, as well as our Twitter. Our handle's at Kicking Out Two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. Um all the great shows I have over there on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Search Retromania with a W. You'll find all of our great shows. Hulkamania is dead. Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Kicking out of two. Marking out the day's weekend warriors. Origins of Attitude. And bonus content just like this. Search Retromania with a W on all podcast platforms. You'll find us there. Uh, we'll just keep cranking out more content while you guys are all in self-quarantine. And uh, hopefully you guys are all staying safe. Washing hands and rear ends thoroughly. And we're going to get through this. That's what we do. Absolutely. Please rate, review, like, share, subscribe if you dig this podcast. Thank you all. Dave, see you later. Take care, bud.